episode 25 of Thelma and Tom Look Left. And I say this every time. We, how have we got this far, Thelma? I don't know. I mean, we are good. I know that. But... <laughs> modest, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people are listening. Modesty is our strength, Tom, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. I don't know how that slipped out, Thelma. Um, <laughs> anyway, here we go again. And, and as always, loads has been happening and we can't possibly get around to talking about it all. We've got a little list of stuff we want to cover. Uh, we are a bit known for going off piste, but we'll try to stick to it as best we can. Um, so, yeah, Thelma, lovely to see you again. We haven't uh, we haven't uh, actually chatted for quite a while, have we? Now, I... no, I've been missing you, Tom, and missing our chats. Um, yeah, really, because both of us are, are busy with um, other projects um, and and life has <laughs> um, got in the way a bit over the last few weeks. Um, and hopefully, the the projects we're both working on are. Uh, really about the same thing and that is about uh really delivering social justice and and getting the conversations out there um and letting people know what what's happening with with politics and society so um yeah we're both busy but good busy uh in a nice sense um uh, but as i say it's good to good to be together again and in the new year i know we've got another great lineup of um of guests for us to continue and it was rather nice because i saw something on social media uh, well, a couple of things really where people are saying um is there going to be another podcast we've not not seen anything so there's obviously people out there that do want to listen to what what we think and uh, and listen to our chat so so that's quite affirming uh, yeah, but yeah you've been busy tom haven't you with your with your podcast and your your hippie chat yeah uh, so indeed i i have i um i before i even uh came across you though I mean obviously I knew your name from your work in the um in the in the um government not in the government but in parliament and so on but before that and I, I wanted to do a podcast very much and I couldn't quite work out how to get into it and um uh initially I just wanted to talk to ordinary people because I had this kind of idea that quite often they've got as interesting stuff to say as extraordinary people or people that have you know made it but then I, I couldn't work it out. Anyway, then I got together with you and we made we started doing our podcast and it, and it was really fun. And on the back of that, I've decided that I would branch out and do my own little podcast talking to old hippies, but mainly because it's an era that's obviously close to my heart and it had a big effect on me. And, and, and one of my friends died and I just thought, God, he's gone. All that history has gone with him which happens when people die and you just think, oh, my God, that's gone now. You can't get that back. Um, so I thought, let's get some of this down on on uh, on the Internet so that, that at least some kind of record of what went on there. Otherwise, it just turns into a, a just a bit of folklore that, you know, there's no real record of. I mean, obviously, we've got our books and, and media that we had and so on. But, but I'm trying to put together a little kind of audio record of those days. I, I think that's a really good idea, Tom. And I think, it, you know, the, 
the, the demographic really and that group of people that have lived through that time. I mean, I'm a bit a bit younger uh, than yourself, um, but I was with some of my old school friends, women friends, uh, just last week um, for an evening, and um, and it's amazing when you just have that that chat about the past and the music you listen to, uh, and what was going on at the time in politics. Um, that it, it is important that that we have all of it recorded, um, and and those conversations. It's a bit like when you see. Um, uh, veterans from the world wars that um, now so few um, still alive um, and and that we've got like Harry Patch and co and you know recorded and I think it's it, it doesn't matter what period in history it is it's really important that we have those voices not just written down in books but actually recorded so we can see the real people and and hear what they've got to say so I, th- I think it's really important what you're doing Tom and I, I wish you all the best with it. Yeah, well, thanks for that, Thelma. It is, it is fun. And I'll tell you what's another thing that really interests me about it is that how different it is for me talking to um, what I call old hippies. I mean, they'd probably object to it if they knew I called them. <laughs> but that, because I, that's what I I suppose I am, I, I talk to them in a very kind of on-the-level way, whereas in our podcast... I'm a kind of slightly a fish out of water, not with you, Thelma, because I think we've gone beyond it. I don't even think of you as a politician anymore. I just, I mean, when we get guests on who are like quite well-known, high-profile politicians, I am a fish out of water, really. Although I kind of, I try to keep perspective and just think, look, we're all human beings. That's what we are. And just because you've got this high-profile name or whatever, it shouldn't matter. We should be able to just talk. And most of the time I can do that, but I, I'm always aware that I'm talking to people who really know their stuff and and I don't. Whereas on, on the Hippie podcast, I pretty much know my stuff there. I could talk about any of that really at total ease. I'm, I'm not an expert, but I know the scene, you know, pretty well. Um, so that's an interesting difference for me. And, um, and uh, it's... Important though, Tom, coming in on that of your contribution when we're having discussions with politicians, that you are the voice of the person on the street, you know, and that that for me at the moment is what um, so few politicians listen to those voices. Um, and I think that that has come out in a few discussions I've had recently with people on the left, um, that it, it, that's where it's going wrong. Um, and I think we're moving into something we, we plan to talk about later, but I think that idea of trusting politicians, there's so few that, that the ordinary person would now trust, especially this government and the way that they're uh, behaving and that attack on democracy. Um, I think that that um, why it's important that you have your questions, Tom, is because you represent um the people you know in terms of I'm not a politician I'm not expert in this but this is my life and I expect politicians to make my life better not worse and I think that that's for me why your role and why we've come together and why it's so important and why an increasing number of people are listening to what we've got got to say um because a lot of people say to me it's good to hear you talk about the everyday impact on our lives from these decisions that and votes 
<laughs> that are happening currently in Parliament and, and the impact and, and indeed um, the attack on democracy that we're seeing at the moment. So um, important we do it, I think. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't give it up. Not well, you know, obviously thing everything ends, but right now I I'm loving it and I feel like it's serving a, a purpose. You know, I, I want to make things better. It doesn't have to be like this. And this is this is in a way, it's my little foothold in the door, or whatever yeah. you call it, to 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 say what I think. And I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity and um mm. you know, to to a well, even to just have these chats with you, my political understanding has has grown enormously. Mm. Uh, um, and you know how it all works. One thing I have noticed, Thelma, is how slow everything moves politically. You mm. know, you can't, and you look at these politicians that have been bashing away for years trying to change things. And you know, to, well, to be honest, some of them sometimes you just get nowhere. And you just yeah. like for a man on the street, you're just thinking, oh, for Christ's sake, come on. But the reality isn't like that. No, it isn't. And I think it's quite hard at the moment. I do feel, I mean, I keep saying this to people because obviously I get a lot of people approaching me privately and saying, come on, Simon, what's happening with the left? We've got to get organized. We've got, and you'll know about this um, alliance um, and, and group of, of the smaller left political parties and campaign groups that, that are meeting. Um, and there's a lot of pressure, even on our small group at the moment, which is growing, um, to to go public and to say, well, what are you doing? What are we? Um, but you, it's not like that. You do have to make sure that there's there's um, an agreement there. There's an understanding that there's a shared policy platform, um, that that those socialist values. Um, and principles uh, are adhered to um, and and it takes time uh, but there is that political vacuum at the moment that we've talked about um, and I do say, I do appreciate that so many on the left are crying out for that vacuum to be filled and leadership to be there but but this is about a movement this is about a bringing together of, of people on the radical left um, and, and and the issue at the moment of course is we, we're having this progressive alliance being thrown at it's about is it going to be the Lib Dems um, Labour, the Greens, etc. Well, that is not what I'm personally interested in, um, and I, I don't believe those people on the radical left um, are, are interested in that, to be honest. Um, and that's not who we're working with um, because they had that chance. Um, many of the uh, well, well, the Liberals and and Labour, they had that chance for a caretaker government led by uh, Jeremy Corbyn and. You know, uh, uh, Joe Swinson and Co. Uh, Caroline Lucas chose not to go along that route, and so I think that chance was lost, unfortunately. But um, there are things happening. Um, it does take time, and it is frustrating. But if it's going to be done properly, it needs to be thought through, and it needs consensus. And if it's going to be democratic as well, there has to be consultation with the members of each of the political parties and campaign groups that are involved um, in the in the alliance. Uh, but one thing I do know, we've actually got a meeting this evening of the alliance members, is that we are going to have to think about um, our branding and name uh, as an alliance, because it won't be a political party, of course, it will just be an umbrella group. Um, because if we use Progressive Alliance of the left, that's going to be 
confused with the one that's the being promoted with Labour and Liberals, etc. Um, so it's quite interesting times really with that. But I, I do think going back to what we were saying earlier about trusting politicians, it's really hard because there. I've said it many times. That, that there's so many good. Um, MPs, hardworking, principled, uh, still in Parliament, and um, you know they get they get labelled in the same way, and um, I, I just think that that is really unfair. There, there was something I did want to mention to you, Tom, that um, I thought was um, significant: is recent votes in Parliament, and one. Um, was it on social care? Forgive me, I can't remember the exact bill. But I know that the Tories won just by 18 votes and 28 Labour MPs didn't vote. And I'm afraid I I did put something on, which I know didn't go down very well with Labour MPs that I know um, about where were they? Because I know that some did have COVID and were ill and there was a genuine excuse for them not to be there but they didn't all have COVID and what I actually believed was that the Labour whips or the chief whip should have put something out to say which which MPs were genuinely ill or had a genuine reason for not being able to vote and which actually were going with the government or abstaining um, because then we know what people stand for and also it it was unfair on those that were genuinely ill and couldn't be there but but again I think there's things like that that the process in parliament again I would question and also those Labour MPs because they can't all have had Covid or been ill or or had a bereavement um who who actually allowed that bill to move through um, and with it being like 28 Labour MPs, I, I just thought that was really bad, um, but unfair on the ones that were genuinely ill. So I thought that was the role of the Chief Whip to make that clear to people, the public. Well, Ham's time again. I mean, I, I don't know the details of that, Thelma, but I do know that over and over and over again, the, the Labour Party aren't really opposing the Tories on so much. And uh, it... You know, they now they've they've just kind of had their nine millionth re, relaunch and decide, and they're saying all this stuff. Now we're going to provide a proper opposition and da 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 da. Well, you know, come on. I, I know I'm getting cynical now, but where's it going to come? You know, when's it going to happen? I mean, and, and that's not even taking into account that that we accept that the Labour Party as they are now are are a neoliberal party. Really, they're not interested in. Uh, serious uh, wealth redistribution or power redistribution. What they're interested in, if if I read it correctly, if they are at all, is just throwing a little bit more out towards the to help the poor. They're not going to try and organise a society where you know perhaps the poor don't actually exist. Um, I'm going slightly off the point here, but except that it does make you just a little bit cynical, and you just think, look, they're just fooling everybody, really. Then they're, yeah. they're not an opposition. Then they they stand up for the establishment. Um, mm. Yeah. Well, I think we were going to talk about the recent reshuffle, weren't we? So it kind of links with with that. Shall we go thing. straight into that, Thelma? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean, I, I talked about Groundhog Day before, but when you look now at that front bench, 
and you think about 2015 and earlier, it's it's the same faces more or less, isn't it? Of of people where we lost elections, <laughs> to be blunt, um, and we've 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 got we've got people who may be very talented, but what you were just talking about in terms of certainly not what I would call people with a um, a democratic socialist agenda. And we're seeing that um, in terms of the uh, shadow home secretary and drugs policy that's just coming out um, today. Um, and you, I notice you put something on social media about you've got to look at the, the reasons why we have a drug problem. And if you look at research from around the world, it is that support and intervention that's needed. And, you know, if you look at the um, tragic death of that little Arthur and, oh, that is just oh, heartbreaking. But you look at how that happened and then you look at, they are linked to me, you know, and the drug problems and young people, uh, you know, who are addicted. And you you look at that breakdown of our society and you look at how the lack of investment through austerity um, and the multi-agency working which um, certainly was having a massively positive impact uh, uh, 10 years more ago um, and all of that where you did have more social workers who were trained up and the experienced social workers now who deal either with child protection or indeed um, uh, young people who are uh, people who are addicted. Um, the, the, the most experienced ones become managers. So they're not actually so much on the front line. So you've got the inexperienced people going into people's homes and dealing with the issues and being front line. Um, and there aren't enough of them because they're not paid enough to, to put up with, frankly, the, you know, a lot of crap sometimes when you're on the front line, uh, pardon my language. But it's that's the truth of it. Because obviously I used to work um, having a short start centre. I'm, I'm used to multi-agency working. And when that's effective, that is such a safety net for the most vulnerable in society. So the the... The, two, the drug problem, all this about we've got an increase in antisocial, you know, stating the flipping obvious from a shadow home secretary. Yes, we know that, but we also know that if you have the right agencies that can intervene early enough and the right level of support and people aren't losing a universal credit funding, uh, etc., and not having to resort to food banks um, and not living in poverty, um, then it's less likely to happen. So it, I, it's so frustrating, but um, I do feel there is a connection there between um, what's happening, these appalling cases of child abuse and, and what's happening with the lack of support um, for people who are uh, have drug addiction and are involved in that underworld connected with uh, drugs, um, so that that's my current thoughts. And I just think going back to the reshuffle, we've got people. I'm not saying they're not. I put something out on my social media about them being really confident and articulate, but you don't feel that they're. Um, protecting our democracy against this threat that, that from this government, you, you feel that it's 
almost like a, a, a Tory-like version um, of, of what we're, we're having from the government. And I just feel that they, they're not going to change things radically to improve society. Um, and it, and it, it really, I feel that they've got what they want. They wanted front, front bench positions. There'll be a few of them vying for that top job in the party now. Um, and um, they've got what they wanted. Um, and I, I, it just saddens me of what we could have, because, of course, we're coming up to two years since the um, 19 election on December the 12th. And um, that anniversary, you know, when it was a year last year, I remember feeling really sad about what we could have had. And I'm not saying it would have been perfect. It would have been very challenging, uh, especially with what's happened with the pandemic. But um, there was so much in in that um manifesto um that that would have helped the most vulnerable um and um it, it just makes me sad but we have to move on and that's well, why I'm we, still... we, we, yeah we do have to move on Thelma, but we have to also understand that and i know you do by the way that when jeremy stood up in 2015 and started talking and everybody a huge amount of us went thank god someone's actually going in there and saying, look, what's causing these problems? Not talking about, oh, we need to deal with these problems by doing this and, you know, suppressing them or chucking a little bit of money at them. What is causing these problems? And that is something that centrists and the right never do and never say, because what causes these problems is what they stand for. And that's the big difference. So even though, yeah, we have to move on, and, and I know I am aware sometimes our podcast podcasts do descend into a kind of, you know, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. It's inevitable. We can't help it because we. that's the difference between socialists and everybody else, really. The socialists are going, look, what's causing the problem? It's this. We need to change it. And everybody else is going, no, we'll accept all this and we'll try and deal with it in a kind of a on-the-surface way. And mm -hmm. this has been going on for, well, however long, I don't know. But there yeah. are a lot of people in this country that are extremely bored of it. And when Jeremy stood up and we had that kind of chance to change things, there were millions of people that got behind him. Uh, mm -hmm. Absolutely millions. There's a, it's, there's, it's not just a little group of us. They tried to make it out that it is, but it isn't. There were no. got 14 million votes or something. That's right. Uh, uh, well, was it even more? Was it 17? I don't know, but it was a, certainly a massive, massive support. And the, the policies are still popular. If you look at yeah. recent polls for, you know, well, now UBI as well, um, which um, and much needed um, rent caps, you know, or, or, or four day working week, all those things that actually um, we were mocked for at the time, you know, the broadband communism, you know, and all of that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but, but you know, what I mentioned earlier about uh, politicians who don't listen enough um, to, to ordinary people, I think what you see with Jeremy and politicians like Jeremy. Um, and activists is the hands-on. You see Jeremy actually at the food bank. You see Jeremy at Christmas wrapping up presents for people to have at the at the food bank. Um, you, you see him there on the front line. Um, and I know in terms of policy to do with education and early intervention, 
he engages with teachers and different agencies um, and he listens to them. That's that's where those policies came out, not just from him, but from John and all of the former front bench, that they were politicians who were hands-on and they are hands-on in their communities as well. Um, and that's the difference. You, you just, perhaps I'm being unfair, but this front bench, you just feel they keep talking about the North. They're even using the Tory phrase, which I hate, levelling up. They're even, they've got now got Lisa Nandy in charge of levelling up. They're using the same terminology. Oh. And you know that those who've got seats up north, you just know they're based in London all the time. And I just feel that's, you know, that's part of why we've ended up losing those red wall seats. That, you you know, they could say, well, how do you know, Sam, or what do you, but I just, you feel it. You feel that what they're saying about the North, they haven't a clue about the poverty up North. Um, and I'm not saying there isn't poverty in other parts of the country, but you go around the forgotten towns of the North and uh, honestly, the po- poverty, abject poverty, you know, um, and um, the the North-South divide is definitely there. And I'm not saying there aren't issues we need to deal with in the coastal regions and the forgotten towns, around the country but i live up north and that's the is the north that i I care about and what's happening now and that westminster control uh which as i've said before is is crumbs from the westminster table when it comes to funding and and if ever that's been proved it's been this last month with um how they've reneged and betrayed the north on the rail um northern powerhouse rail and hs2 um also the health and care bill and that idea of 85,000 caps so that, you know, many people, if you take Hartlepool, for example, um, where I stood in the by-election as an independent, if you take Hartlepool, a load of houses in Hartlepool aren't worth much more than 85,000, you know? So they lose all their assets if they're lucky enough to own a home. Uh, but down south, you get the majority of people with a house worth 400,000 plus, big difference then in 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 your in, in your income and, and your finances so again it's you know if ever there was evidence it's those two things this last month that they're not they don't really care about leveling up um, no they really don't care Thelma that's what it comes down to and they say they've got now to the point where they can say what they like and whether it's true or false and they don't get held to account the the media is in their hands the whole yeah. thing is pretty much sewn up. And that's why, I mean, I sometimes think, well, what can we do? What can we do? We just have to keep saying it and keep pointing it out and keep stand by our, whatever, by your guns or whatever. And yeah. just kind of keep on back. It's a, bit, it's a bit the Rosa Luxemburg um, words, isn't it? You know, the most revolutionary thing you can do is to proclaim loudly what is happening. And I, yeah. I often think about that quote, and I think, what am I doing here now, still involved with everything? I'm thinking, actually, I'm, I'm listening to what Rosa said, you know, that it, what we're doing is proclaiming loudly, and people people who have a platform need to do that, because if we don't, they're just going to get away with everything because we haven't got an effective opposition at the moment. Um, and they're complicit as far as I'm concerned Labour at the moment are complicit with what is happening and that might seem harsh but if you're not opposing it you you are you are aiding it as far as I'm concerned 
know. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. Okay. I'm not okay. very. That, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I know we 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 cover this over and over again, but I'm just, as we go along, I'm beginning to feel more and more strongly about it, you know, and uh, uh, and the fact that it is hard. Just what you just said there, Thelma. We got a platform. I mean, it's small. Not many people listen to our podcast, but but we but they do, and we're on social media. We say stuff. It's our. It's my job. It's not just on the media anyway. It's where I work. It's anywhere. I had a massive thing happen. Yeah work the other day someone just made a crass remark and I just thought it's my duty not to let that go I've got to say something absolutely Um, we have a responsibility I mean even I went swimming the other day and there was somebody who was overtly racist to another person whilst I was swimming and I challenged her because I thought we cannot we cannot as individuals allow people to uh, to come out with racist statements or any form of bigotry um and prejudice and um and we have to we have to make a stand i think i think what's coming through though is um the most success we've ever had in terms of changing government policy has been from the grassroots if you think about uh, well through history suffragettes for a start but if you think about poll tax um, just recently, the Indian farmers' uh, victory over Modi's agriculture bill and, and what they've achieved there, just from being determined, collective action. We're seeing, I'm very impressed by Sharon Graham at the moment, yeah. the new leader of the right, who I have to say, I didn't know too much about um, before she was elected. And I've been so impressed. And the fact this is a blow to Labour, but the fact that we're drawing um some of the funding um from labor says an awful lot um but i think collective action the ucu strike at the moment of university and college workers um that you you're seeing around the country that in the workplace this collective action and with union support and that is significant and important um it is changing things um and and that gives me hope um, the individual at the individual level, like you and I, challenging people that come out with something is either you know well, racist or abusive. That we do, we have to be brave because sometimes when you put yourself out there and you do challenge some people like that, it's it's a bit scary. Yeah, dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and probably dangerous. But um, but you do it uh, as an individual. But then there's strength in unity, isn't there? And I think that that in the workplace as well. Um, and, and in society, um, we need to come together. And I think it's that grassroots action um, that needs to happen now um, from, from the bottom up. Because, if, as I say, if you look through history, it's been, it's been ordinary people coming together and saying enough. And, you know, the peaceful protest is, is what I would advocate. But, it, you know, it is, it is a time now for us to say enough but my worry is with the bills that are going through with this policing um crime criminal courts bill going through um that they're going to take away the right for peaceful protest um also attacks on social media i don't know if you're aware but northern independence party um has had their twitter account suspended for seven days now or more um for a, a post on on getting rid of um uh, vaccine patents in the global south um yeah. unbelievable but yeah. that's the case where a registered political party 
has had its account. So it's these threats to democracy that we need to be calling out, really. I think that's why it's so important right now. So I, I often think about countries like China and uh, Russia where, you know, they're further down the road than we are on the path to fascism. Well, you know, they're, they're basically almost fascist states, aren't they? Uh, you can't have... We wouldn't be allowed to do our podcast in Russia. Um, no. We wouldn't be allowed to uh, show dissent of en- in any way. Um and I, I think while we've got that freedom, it's really important that we work hard to hang on to it and work hard to tell people, explain to people, look, this is valuable what we've got here and we fought hard to get this and, and they're fighting hard to take it off us, but we need to hang on to it. And uh, it, it's a precious thing and I, I don't, I think it will be absolutely awful if we follow those countries down that road. Um, it yeah. so much yes it does and I think the government need you know to be watched very care- uh, carefully at the moment when you look at Belarus and uh, Hungary yeah. and, and uh, some of these regimes um, what we're seeing going through parliament at the moment is something very similar yeah authoritarian yeah. control um, uh, you know um Today I've seen a photograph of um, Johnson in full police gear. He looks like, you know, I mean, what's going yeah. on there? Yeah. Um, you know, and and, and I mock it, and I, you know, because satire is my my thing. But on on social media, very often. But I I I just think it is also very scary. Um, so the reshuffle uh, didn't energise me or make me believe that um, we would have proper opposition because I I don't believe what's being said at the moment about the uh, drugs policy, et cetera, to just today, I'm thinking, well, that's not, <laughs> you know, um, that's not going to be the answer, is it? Um, so facing votes, Thelma, and uh, which I know that's centrism is the whole idea is, well, you can't do anything if you're not in power. That's the whole argument. But, but mm-hmm. if, if to get in power, you've got to spout rubbish, is that, all right, you know. Yeah. Remember the the immigration mug, uh, you know, just 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 disgusting. Yeah. Uh, and and now this drugs policy, what yeah. on earth, you know? It- just just um yeah, just touching on that, Tom. I know no, we didn't plan to talk about it, but the um awful tragic deaths um in the Channel, yeah. um beginning of last week or recently, um. And what's happened there and the rhetoric since and um, Priti Patel and, and, and her approach to that and the blame game and all of that, um, that's a time when I would... Can you imagine if if Jeremy were still leader of, of, of the, you know, Lotto, leader of the opposition, and um, the, the difference in, in how he would have approached that and his empathy and understanding um, of the situation. And, and then we get the RNLI going out there, saving human beings and, and, and some fascists, because there's no other word for it, in Hastings, trying to stop them from going out there. And, uh, and, and you, you, it, it's heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking to see what our country has descended into. Um, and again, that's where 
we're missing the proper opposition, aren't we? We're, we're, we're missing politicians with compassion, empathy, understanding. Um, and um, I, yeah, it is, it is quite heartbreaking, really. I mean, when, when you talk like that, Selma, you have to think, well, I mean, we're the opposition, aren't we? You know, there's, there's, there's 20 or so MPs in the in, in Labour Party that are the opposition. There's a few yeah. Scottish nationalists that are the opposition. Uh, and then there's a, a few people messing about on the internet who are the opposition. There's millions of people out there who are the opposition, but they haven't got a voice. They've got no one to represent them. Uh, it's it's just so important that we um, what's to say? Oh, it's a huge subject, isn't it? You know, I mean, I think about this yeah. so much. How, how can we change the ethos of society? I mean, the right have managed to change the ethos of ethos of society since Thatcher. They've had an open goal, really, fifty years or so of of this kind of hatred. Mm. Yeah, and somehow or other, it's our our task is somehow or other to try and push it back, push it back, and that's I, I don't know, Thelma. It's an interesting subject uh, for discussion. The most think, thing to do. I think we could. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on on this kind of people choosing not to vote, use their vote, you know, because that um, uh, old Sid Cup, the by election last week, um, I think it was thirty four percent turnout, um, and and some in Labour were lauding it as as a big improvement, but if you look at the actual votes, it plummeted for Labour, and you know, I ju- I just think. The, the fact that only 34% um, of people in that seat went out to vote, and people were just, it's their democratic right not to vote. Um, but more and more people I talk to say, well, I just don't know how I'd vote. I just don't know how I'd vote in that uh, in the next general election. Um, and that means that they don't think there's anybody to represent them um, and to stand up for them and to stand up for working people and and their rights. Um, and as I say, the polling of, uh, especially amongst the younger generation, um, for policies that were in the 1719 manifestos, public ownership being one of them, um, are so popular. And four day week, you know, you've got 70 odd percent very often of, of those people who are polled saying, yeah, we want that policy, we like that policy. Um, and yet we haven't got the politicians. Uh, an elected or a party that people feel like they can either trust or feel they want to vote for. Um, and that's what we've got to change, really. Um, yeah. So, it, I mean, that's quite interesting that if um, if we can move on to um, my recent visit to Brussels. Indeed, um, indeed. I was going to say we need to get to it. Uh, yeah, just to... Just so can, you, can you just explain to me? I, I'm, I'm not clear... It, it, uh, what the conference was about, Thelma. I know some of the stuff that happened there, but just give us a bit of a... Yeah, it, it just came out of the blue, really, that I was approached from uh, Left Unity, you know, the the, the party was founded, I don't know, is it about 10, 10 years now ago? And the, uh, Left Unity approached me and said that they wanted delegates um, to go to the uh, European Forum, which is the Left European Party, uh, which was in Brussels, and it's it's from uh, well predominantly progressives on, on the left, 
uh, but some from the European Parliament. But there were speakers, um, international speakers, um, from from uh, Philippines, from Brazil, from well, from all over the world as well. And um, so we, we, my husband and I, Rob, were, were asked to go as delegates. Um, over there and I went in my role as as founder and current chair of the Progressive Alliance and um, it was an amazing experience actually Tom. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn was there uh, speaking on behalf of the Peace and Justice Project and um, there were politicians from Poland, from Portugal, well from from Spain, from all over and um, what what was really interesting is that what I came away with was this idea of a common struggle. And the, the common struggles are to do with, well, obviously climate, the climate emergency, but also uh, the COVID situation, but also uh, workplace rights and security and very important was this combating the narrative of the far right, which is growing across Europe and growing in strength. So there were very similar things, and of course the threat to democracy as well. So what what you could see from, from all of the speakers was this idea that there needs to be organisation. So, so what we need to see is like grassroots action, um, and collective action, which I talked about, you know, should be happening in in, in Britain, um, but but actually mobilise. And when there's key events happening across the world, then then people need to mobilise and we need to come together. So even though Britain is no longer in the European Union, for instance, there's no reason why socialists, as a, you know, internationalists. Um, shouldn't work together. So what came out of the conference, I mean, certainly for me, it gave me a lot more hope and inspiration that, you know, that there is a future uh, for democratic socialism. Um, but what came out was a declaration, which is a summing up of, 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 of the value base, really, of the European left, but also an eight-point plan um, for, for action, uh, which which is very really good, and it's it starts um, with at this time of economic, environmental, and health crises, cooperation and collaboration between Greens, Progressives, and the Left is more urgent than ever. That's how it begins. But it included in the eight point action plan participate in the mobilisations called by the trade unions, especially on May the 1st, in defence of greater protection of workers' rights. So there's a statement about what you need, we need to be mobilising on and coming together, build a campaign to combat the crisis of democracy, which is very relevant to what's happening in Britain, and develop an analysis of the impact of the pandemic on wages and labour relations in Europe. So you can see that this is all encompassing, really, but very relevant to what's happening in our country. And it's and as I say, it's this idea of the common struggles, shared campaigns, and internationalism with socialism, you know. So it made sense to me, and it was... Um, it was affirming um, to be with people from some some MEPs, some from the European Parliament, and it was good to, to talk with them. I do, I do think what was coming through was what on earth is going on in your country with your government. You know, <laughs> it's a bit of a, you feel a bit of an embarrassment. You know, you feel, feel a bit like one of those people you go to a fancy dress party and you've come in the wrong theme or something. You know, it's kind of, 
yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just feels a bit embarrassing um but but it was good to to speak to people good socialists who who um as i say uh share share that common goal um so yeah it was uh, it, it was a very positive experience and um and, and i would love an opportunity in the future to uh, to visit uh, to visit again um you know to join again um, yeah, it's, it's always it's always good to to meet up with similar minded people and it, and it, it breeds enthusiasm and recharges the batteries doesn't it you know um I think it does. I think it does. It gives you hope and it makes you realise actually that many of the things, even if our country is the one that (laughs) is uh, almost in isolation, I feel at the moment, and people aren't talking about January the 1st when that transition period ends and and we're full on Brexit and full tariffs, etc., uh, I don't think people, about that. <laughs> the media. I mean, the the media just don't seem to be covering it in the way that I I think they should be. But we'll we'll see what happens then. But um, but certainly uh, very good people there, and it was a a, a very positive experience. So um, yeah. So interesting the uh, the the view of the UK from abroad. Uh, it, I mean, obviously, I'm, I hear it mainly from people coming from my political kind of area, but it, it does seem to come across over and over again that it's all gone a bit off, you know, a bit, something wacky's really happened there. And, I mean, basically, we've fallen into the hands of the extreme right, haven't we? And Johnson's beholden to them. And I, I don't know who's pulling the strings. I really don't. I mean, it goes back a long way, doesn't it? It goes back to Murdoch taking control of the papers and all sorts. Um, yeah. But it's uh, optimistically, I would say that the 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 madder it gets, surely the more people are going to go, oh my goodness, really? Uh, and because it does feel a bit like that, doesn't it? You just think, surely people aren't buying this crap, and then they pile a load more on, and you just think. I mean, when you listen, there's, I don't want to get too personal, but there's a bloke called Francois or something. He's an MP called Francois, isn't there? I mean, I mean what, could, what can you say about him? Let's put it like that. Yeah. Well, he, for a start, he disappeared for about a year because there were some allegations against him, weren't there? And, and it's OK because they just go away for a year and then bob back into Parliament and also give them, you know, and you just wonder what other workplace or area of work or life would you be allowed to do that? without a proper investigation and uh, some disciplinary measure. Um, but that's in politics. I, I, I'm just um, bemused by the whole thing, the way these people seem to get away with stuff that an ordinary person would either be prosecuted, would either lose their job, be suspended formally, um, or be prosecuted. But they just seem to just... They're untouchable, aren't they? There's well, about fifty of them, and they've yeah. got the, the, they've 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 been working for decades to get Brexit. They've got Brexit. They're still yeah. wielding power. They've still got the Tories over a barrel. I mean, I mean, the Tories are terrible, but now they're really awful because of this. And it's uh, anyway, yeah. we're going so off piece. Maybe next time. Yeah. Paul. It's been yeah. a great podcast, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm not going to te- I'm not going to say too much, but we've got a, a, an amazing uh, podcast coming up. Uh, 
hopefully ready uh, just for Christmas. Well, I, I haven't been so excited about our podcast as I am about our next one. It's, a, it's um, definitely a Christmas special, Tom, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. Uh, God knows what's going to happen. And it's certainly not going to be like, uh, I'm not going to be as relaxed as I would be if I was talking to an old person. Oh, like that one. Yeah, that's quite exciting about it. So, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and I hope you uh, managed to catch up with us for our next one. Uh, which will be bring us up to the end of this year. Despite everything we say, I do feel positive about the left. We, we're coming across with some good messages. We're staying on track. There's a lot of people talking about unity. I know you're working really hard on it, Thelma, and, and there's a lot of people really appreciate what you're doing. I do feel it's only a matter of time. And I think when we do eventually put it together, it's going to be a very, very powerful force. Uh, so uh, on that note, I'll pass you over to Thelma to say her goodbyes. Yeah, thanks, Tom. It's been great talking to you as always. And um, I'll leave you or remind you of the words of Nelson Mandela. To deny people their human rights is to challenge their very humanity. Solidarity.